0: The following sermon was delivered by Pastor Frank Griffith at Calvary Community Church in Brentwood, California. You'll find more information at calvarytruth.org. Today we're looking at uh, 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 22 through 25. Let me read this passage to you. It's real short and it's right to the point. This is what Peter writes. He says, "Since you have in obedience to the truth, purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart. And in in the text itself, the the best evidence is he's saying, he's, he's actually saying, fervently love one another from a purified heart, for you have been born again, not of seed, which is perishable, but imperishable. That is through the living and abiding word of God. Now, what the Bible teaches is that the new birth, like 1 John chapter 5, verses 11 12, says, this is the testimony that God has given to us eternal life. This life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has the life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have the life. And so it speaks of eternal life being the consequence of us receiving this eternal life from the Lord Jesus Christ when we put faith in him. And he's telling us this is how we should live because we have this eternal life. And we receive it through the word of God. If you notice, he says uh, down in verse 23, for you have been born again, not of seed, which is perishable. That's the life of Jesus Christ, but imperishable. That is through the living and abiding word of God. Now, he uses two different prepositions there. One is of. The seed, this is where we get the life, is from the seed. But the word through is talking about the agency. Who, would, who is it that gives us this? Well, it's the Word of God. He says, through the living and abiding Word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, and the flower falls off, but the word of the Lord abides forever. What he's emphasizing is the fact that there's nothing in us inherently that would produce what God has produced by giving us eternal life, and that because we have received eternal life, we have come to love the brethren in such a way that he says, this is the mark of the new birth. What we do with the new birth is the proof that we actually have been born again. So this is what this text is all about. The fact is he talks about how the words that he uses, this word uh, love one another fervently, is a perfect word for describing the way that Mike Singletary would play football. It's talking about intensity and consistency that he always hits as hard as he can. He always uh, does what he should. You know, and it's actually most men think that football is a very good way of God teaching us the word of God, especially in a family. And there's some truth to that because the way that we're told that football players actually do the game well is that they are totally all in. They do it with fervency, uh, they don't do it just passively or uh, thinking, well, maybe this will work and this kind of thing. No, they do it with all their might and all their heart, continually and with fervency. This word, this idea of fervently is a main thought in this passage, love one another fervently. It's not just an emotion. The word that he uses for love is the word agape, which means it's a very, it's a full of intelligence kind of word, understanding based on value. In other words, agape is love that's based on value that the subject, the person who's loving has placed in the object, the one who's being loved. And so he's saying, this is the kind of love that we're to have and we're to do it fervently with all of our hearts. We're all in. This is an act of the will because we are commanded to love one another. It's also self-sacrificing. You all know John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And so he's telling us that this can be commanded. It's something that we are to explain to each other. I know the Apostle Paul, he wrote in... Colossians chapter 1, verse 9, that he heard about what was God was doing in this church, and he says, "...ever since I heard this, I haven't ceased to pray for you, that God would fill you with the knowledge of His will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that you could walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, to please Him in all respects." So that uh, knowing the truth about the gospel, knowing the truth about eternal life would cause us to see the significance of us loving one another. That it's, it isn't something passive or light or, uh, you know, we're, we're not really into this and we're not— we're not concerned about it. No, this means we give it all of our heart that we love each other. This this is what he's telling us in this passage. And so, for example, let me just give you a couple things. One, he's, the force of this expression is amazing. He uses a tense that's an aorist imperative, which means adopt this attitude, this new attitude immediately. This is the way you're supposed to think. This is the way you're supposed to live and react and so forth and it's also in the emphatic position it's saying that it's the primary importance of this passage apparently there were some of among these believers who were allowing animosities to linger which is not hard for us to do, is to see all kinds of reasons why we shouldn't love one another. But what, what Peter is doing here is telling us this must be the way that we relate to each other. We must love one another fervently from the heart because God has purified our hearts so that we can love in this unusual way. And the, the point of this is self-sacrifice. So that's why John 3.16 says this, that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. So what would we be doing if we were to obey this command to love fervently? Well, according to 1 Corinthians 13, it tells us how love acts, the way that it acts. So if you were to take the time to read through 1 Corinthians 13, you would see how our actions would be shaped when we're loving one another the way we're supposed to with, with great fervency. Why is this so important for us to obey this? Well, there's actually two reasons given to us in this text. The first reason is this is the healthy response of purified souls. In other words, we purified our souls for the sincere love of the brethren. And the idea of that is is that God has caused our souls to be cleansed, to be affected by our relationship with Christ so that we have within us this driving force that we want to obey him in loving one another. In this passage, for example, in verse 1 of this chapter that we're looking at, he says that we were chosen. In verse 2, he says that we were sanctified. In verse 3, he's, this is verse 2 again, we obeyed the gospel. Another one in verse 2 is that we were sprinkled by the blood of Christ, which means that's just a way of saying the work of Christ was applied to our life in a powerful way. We were sprinkled by the blood of Christ. That's a very powerful way of saying we were affected by this great work of Christ in laying down his life for us. And then he says in verse 3, we were born again. In verse 10, we received grace. And in verse 18, we were redeemed. Now, redemption always has the idea of a price paid in order to free a slave from his slavery. And that's what happened to us. We were redeemed by the work of Christ so that we were set free from being a slave to uh, the enemy of God. This is the reason that we have been set free so that with fervency and consistency that we would love one another. He tells us that you have purified your souls with fervency and consistency. And uh, in fact, it's, it's funny, in the Bible, there's a difference between, there's two words that are used that are translated word, and they're different. One of them is called is lagos, and the other is hrema. And the difference between them is that lagos is a picture of a new truth that has been unveiled to us so that we can see it and understand it. Whereas Rama is a word that's talking about God creating something by his word. For example, the best example, I think, of this is that the Bible says, God said, let there be light, and there was light. That's exactly what happened. This is something that we are told over and over again, that God's word can produce what God wants it to produce. In fact, in Isaiah 40, verses 6 through 8, it uses both of these words in the Greek translation of it, which is called the Septuagint, the word logos and the word rhema. The word rhema primarily describing creative power. And this is what God says. He says, shall my word be which goes forth from my mouth it shall not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the manner in the matter of which I sent it. In other words God's word his rema is going to accomplish its purpose. I can remember back when I was just a kid, the Olympics, in the decathlon, there was a runner, a a participant called Bruce Jenner. He was very public. He was a personality, and people knew him, and his wife was the same way. They were very well known, and he won the decathlon, but then they immediately got a divorce, and this shocked everybody because they had been so close and so public. Jenner was a professed believer. What he didn't understand, obviously, was Philippians 2, verses 3 and 4 where Paul writes, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard each other as more important than yourselves. This is this is to be the mindset of the believer. We're to love each other in this way so that we consider one another as more important than ourselves. Is there anything clogging up your soul? Something causing you to a withhold love from fellow believers. Sometimes this this happens. It might turn into a trickle. Have you become cool and indifferent towards your brothers and sisters in Christ? Do you approach this assignment like a linebacker or a couch potato? And that's really what it amounts to. Am I going to live the Christian life like a linebacker? Am I going to have my mind set and to love fervently from the heart, or am I going to be just a couch potato and do what's comfortable for me? What do you need to do right now? We're told, for example, in 1 Corinthians 13, it gives us a whole series of things about what it means to love someone. And so when you read that, this is how we are to live. This is the way we are to manifest our new birth. But the other reason that's given is the fact that uh, we had our souls purified by the work of the Spirit. It also says this is the ongoing evidence of the new birth in verses 23 through 25. The new birth is this implantation of a new life. It's a seed implanted in us, a new quality of life. It's God's life. And that's why 1 John five eleven and 12 says this is the testimony that God has given to us eternal life. And if you have the son, you have the life. This life is in the son. And so if you have the son, you have the life. We have eternal life. That's the new birth. And therefore, God has called us to love one another fervently from the heart. And we also realize that no one who's been born of God practices sin. And he goes on to say they cannot sin because they've been born of God. But that doesn't mean we don't have the ability to sin. It means that we don't have the desire to sin because we've been changed by this new birth. The new birth that we've been given, this new seed, this eternal life, has had quite an impact on us. And this is the source of the new birth. It's the means by which new life came. It's the Word of God. It uses the word of, it's of this new life, but it's through the Word of God. But what does that mean? Well, the Word of God is the mediating agency. God uses His Word. We hear things in the Word of God saying, if you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Well, that's a creative word. That's that's a word. In fact, I would suggest to you that whenever you're witnessing to somebody, that you take them to the word and you have them read the word themselves. And for example, in Romans ten nine, when it says, those of you who believe and confess that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, you shall be saved. They need to hear the very Word of God because the Word of God is what implants the eternal life. This message about the eternal life is to be what we respond in faith to. And so he says that his Word won't return to him void or empty. He's going to accomplish what he wants to accomplish. But there may be something clogging up our souls, like what we see in the life of Bruce Jenner. He was a professed believer, but all of a sudden he found that the most important thing in his life was to focus on his own life rather than love his wife. There may be something in our soul that's distracting us and keeping us from loving him fervently from the heart. And so if we become cool and indifferent toward our brothers and sisters in Christ, We need to understand that this assignment has to be accomplished by the mindset of a linebacker, not a couch potato. You have to be somebody who is completely committed to do this. And that when you love fellow believers, what you are doing, you're giving evidence of the new birth in your life. It's what shows that you really are born again. But if you've become cool and indifferent towards your brothers and sisters in Christ, then you have to understand that there's no evidence in that that you actually have been born again. In Acts chapter 12 verse 5, the church is praying fervently for Peter. He's in jail and they haven't seen him and they're really praying for him and they would be set free. That's the account where he shows up and the girl that sees him at the door just turns around and goes back to the people and starts telling them she doesn't know what's happening because she sees Peter. She doesn't expect God to answer the prayer that they're making because they're fervently praying. That's what it says. It uses the exact same word. They were fervently praying. It was demonstrating their fervent love for Peter because they loved him and cared for him and they wanted God to set him free. And so this is what we are supposed to do. We are supposed to love one another fervently from the heart. This is the ongoing evidence of the new birth. The new birth is what was implanted in us, this seed, its new quality of life. And so God wants us to realize that he's given us life for a reason, and he wants us to fervently love one another from the heart. And that is the evidence that we have. We've actually been born again. We have this new life in us, and it was put in us through the Word of God. God exposed us to his Word so that we would come to embrace the truth of this eternal life in us. So this is what we are called to do as brothers and sisters in Christ, is to fervently love each other. Remember that loving brothers fervently, that is seeing the new birth manifested in our daily life and interaction with each other, this is what shows us that we have actually been born of God. I remember I was in a class one time on Christian ethics, and the, the teacher, he said, uh, you know, there are some groups who believe you can be born again, 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 again. <laughs> And I, at first I didn't know what he was saying, but then I recognized that's exactly what I believed. I believed that you could lose your salvation and be born again, again. But he explained that, no, that what God does in us is so deep and so profound that he does it one time and for all of life, we live our life as born again believers. And that's what this passage is telling us. The way that you manifest the truth that you are a born again believer is by loving them fervently from the heart. And uh, recognize that this is why God has changed your heart. It's why he's created in you a heart that is able to love one another the way that Christ loved us. Now, he laid down his life, and that's what he's calling us to do, to lay down our lives for each other. That is that we would see our brothers and sisters in Christ as being more important than we are and uh, that we love them fervently. We're living in a time right now where people are. some people are so shaken by it. There's so many things going on in our lives that we can't live normal lives. We can't get together with with people we're close to. And yet this is what God's called us to. He's called us to love one another fervently from the heart. And He will do that if we simply make ourselves available. If we simply say, we know that God is in control of all things. And that He sometimes brings difficulties in our lives so that He can refine our faith so that we can more clearly believe and manifest our faith in Christ in our everyday life in the way we treat each other. So I would just admonish you today that you love your brothers and sisters in Christ fervently from the heart. And that will not only show that you're born again, it will also be the the response, the healthy response of a purified soul. God has purified your soul because you wanted him to purify it. He says in verse 22, for you have been born again, not of seed, which is perishable, but imperishable. It cannot rot. It cannot go away. It cannot vanish. This is a living and abiding word of God. God gave us the word for that reason, that it would bring us to faith in Christ and we can actually live out our lives, showing by every activity in the way that we treat our brothers and sisters that we are truly born again. That's the reason we don't need to be born again again. We need to be born again once but truly so that we can live in relationship with the living God for all eternity and beginning with our life here on earth with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And so uh, this week, look up a brother or sister. Look up uh, someone that you maybe have not been with for a while and spend some time with them, simply showing love towards them. Now, sometimes some people are in really desperate situations, so it's very easy to know how you can show them the love of Christ very clearly. But other times, people, everything is going well, but what they need is they need the fellowship of their brothers and sisters in Christ, and they need to know that you love them fervently from the heart and that you have been given this gift of the new birth so that you could love them. That's why you've been born again is so that you can love your brothers and sisters in Christ. So get with it, do it, and uh, don't be afraid that uh, somebody's going to think that you're strange. This isn't strange, this is normal living in the body of Christ, that we love one another fervently from the heart, and this is what he's called us to do. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you today for your good, good command to us, that we should love one another fervently from the heart. Father, we want to be fervent in our love, and we want to be consistent in it. We want to uh, manifest love for people the way that you have loved us in Christ Jesus. And so we pray that you would make us creative and help us, Father, empower us, enable us to be what we ought to be and what you have made us to be, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. To respond to this message or learn more, please visit calvarytruth.org.